We're in a series on curses and blessings, and uh, so I'm going to talk through something tonight and share some, uh, some Scripture with you. We looked in the first week as to what a blessing is and how to bless others and give life, speak blessing into people's lives. And then last week we looked at curses, didn't we? And we dealt with curses and we broke off curses. Curses are language of death. If there is a language of life, there's a language of death, right? I mean, God is light. The enemy is the absence of light, which is darkness. And so we see this dichotomy back and forth. But they're not equal, are they? They're they're not equal. Even where sin abounds, what much more abounds? Grace much more abounds. God is greater. Light always dispels darkness. Even one match can dispel a completely darkened room. And so light, life, grace is always greater than anything the enemy has. And so we looked at curses and we broke them off last week. So tonight I want to go a little further with this and turning curses into blessings. So on your outline, uh, you can underline it in your Bible as well. I put them here for ease and for me to move quickly, but I certainly don't want to eliminate you looking it up in your own Bible. But in the book of James, let's go there, James chapter 3. Verses 9 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. And he says, in in James chapter 3, he's talking about something that is on fire with the hell fire brimstone, uh, and uh, it is a dastardly thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The tongue. The tongue. Very small member of the body. And. Uh, it can get us. How many of you have your tongue get you in trouble? <laughs> yeah, because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. And we know that the heart is desperately wicked. I mean, who can tame it? Who can know it? And the tongue is the flap to that thing, and uh, it responds. So James says this about the tongue, though, and that's why we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the evidence of speaking in tongues. We believe in prayer language because if the Holy Spirit can begin using your tongue as an instrument for prayer, you know He has totally consumed the believer. Amen? Does that make sense to you? All right, so what he says this about the tongue in James 3, 9-12. With it, we bless our Lord and God, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. i got to stop right there because the Holy Spirit's just convicting me in this election time. And I, I know that there are uh, uh, political opinions you have of the candidates and different groups of people. But you need to hold your tongue as to what you're saying about other people. We can certainly disagree with platforms and positions and ideologies, and we speak loudly. But we never speak against people. You don't put people down. You don't denigrate people. You You can speak against their ideas. You can say they're wrong. You can say this and that. But let's not curse people. Does that make sense? The church of God is not here. We are totally opposed to a secular anti-God agenda that is happening like crazy. But we don't wrestle with with flesh and blood. It's the principalities that we, we speak against. The people we can defend our opinions with, but we never curse other people. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does, because that's Jesus. They're made in the likeness of God. 
So let's not bless God here and then step outside this door and start cursing people. James says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things not ought to be. Does a spring pour forth uh, from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he's saying, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. How can someone who has the Holy Spirit in them that manifests blessing out of their mouth, also with that same mouth someone can curse? All right? That is complete contradiction to who we are. Who we are are a people of life, a people of blessing. We can pray, Father, I don't agree with them. And Father, I pray you'd bring revelation to their minds. But don't curse other people. Does that make sense? All right. That's what the Word of God is. Now, by this statement that James says, we as people, he's talking about born-again believers, isn't he? We have the ability to do two things. What are they? Bless and curse. Who wants to curse? No, we don't need to curse. All right? So there's an option here. All right? And so the blessing has to become more developed in us than the cursing. When you were in the world, cursing came easy, right? All forms of cursing. I mean, just foul language and then just badgering people, gossiping people, shaming people, critically against people. Again, there's nothing wrong with critiquing people and ideas and being completely opposed to them, but with love and caring for people. Now, but we are a people who speak life. If we're blessing God and speaking His adoration and His love, we need to be speaking life to other people. That is our option. More than that, it's our duty as vessels of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? What do you choose this day? Blessing or curse? Blessing. All right, so that's what we're choosing. Now, the whole process of redemption is to redeem that which is dead and make things come alive. Isn't it interesting that what uh, uh, God told Ezekiel to do over the valley of dry bones? There was death over that valley, and what did he say for Ezekiel to do? Speak, prophesy. Why? He needed a a person on the earth to speak forth the will of God. You know, and then people, oh, well, God can do anything He wants. Yes, He can. But He chooses this method by which He takes you whom He gave dominion on the earth to speak on His behalf. And so He's using you to be a vessel of blessing. And so He wants you to speak. And so He redeemed you from a life of cursing and death into redeeming you into a life of speaking blessing and life. So that's what we need to do. We need to rethink the way we our attitude in life. We need to stop complaining and start rejoicing. Stop cursing and begin blessing. Let the fresh water flow. Would you stop the salt water, right? And let's begin to bless God. Now let me give you an example of what God said. Before I go there, I want to really help you understand what covenant means. Is anybody here that's married? Anybody here married? Okay, those of you that are married, you entered into a covenant. And the two shall become what? One. The two shall become one. This is the simplest definition of covenant. Two shall become one. So that all that is mine has become yours. And all that is yours has become mine. 
And the two become one, and we operate as what? One. When God enters into covenant with a people, it's no different. All right? If you speak against my wife, you're speaking against me. And I'll, I'll deal with you. If you speak against me, you're, dealing with, you're speaking against my wife. The two are one. It's the same with God. When God has called out a people and God has entered into covenant with those people, if anybody curses those people, they're coming against God. You understand this? When he entered into covenant with Abraham, he said, I'm going to make your name great. Why? Did he want to lift up Abraham's name? Because Abraham was part of him. And he was part of Abraham. Before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he went to Abraham and said, this is what we're going to do. And that's why Abraham entered into intercession and discussion with God. You don't think God had enough counsel to figure out what to do in the end? Why did he ask Abraham to get involved in this discussion? Covenant. Covenant. Jesus said, I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. His prophets are His friends. He tells us what He's going to do because we're in covenant. And so when it comes to blessing and cursing, if something comes against us, it comes against Jesus because we're His body. And so what belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Now with that understanding, let's look at the idea of blessing and cursing. Because I want you to know, you have the authority now that whatever comes against you in the cursing of the enemy or anybody else, you can turn it into blessing because that you have authority over anything that is cursed. Deuteronomy 23 verse 5. It says this, But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God, what? Loved you. Now, this is the Moabites and and those who opposed Israel as they were coming into the land. And the king of Moab hired a, a false a, a prophet named Balaam. And he said, I want you to curse Israel. So he tried a couple times, didn't work, and, and he couldn't curse them. Finally, he showed them how to uh, infiltrate Israel to bring a curse on them. All right, but this verse tells us that God said, no way. I would not allow this curse to come upon you. In fact, he reversed it. He reversed the curse. He said this, I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing. So whatever he said against them, it began to create fruition and life for them. And why did he do it? Because I love you. I'm in covenant with you. Is God love us? How do you know? Prove it. Prove, somebody prove it me right now that God loves you. Yeah, the greatest deliverance of all. The greatest display of love. He died for us. He called you. God loves me. Jesus loves me. Therefore, anything, some demon, some person, anybody that's going to try to curse me, God loves me. And He can turn that thing into a blessing. I'll, go, I'll prove it further. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Where did we get our righteousness from? It's all right, it's a phone. <laughs> yeah, 
The instance that we got washed in the blood, the minute we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were birthed in righteousness. His righteousness was given to us. It's the gift of righteousness. And if we're His righteousness, then no weapon formed shall prosper. You know how many Christians are afraid of the devil? They're afraid of of what the enemy can do to them and they get scared? God says, don't be afraid. I mean, have have a... a respectful understanding of how the enemy can be pretty rotten, but we have the power of God. Amen? Let me give you some examples of how the curse is turned into blessing. Here's a classic example. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. What does that mean? There are things that come into our life. I'm not preaching to you a prosperity sense that no bad thing will ever befall you. That's not what I'm saying. We'll go through a lot. How many of you have been through a lot of mess? Right? We go through the mess, but God redeems it for the good. And this is how He takes the curse and He returns it into blessing. He works it out. He works it out for the good. Romans 5.3, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, there it is, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which He gave to us. So God redeemed the curse, even the curse of sin and death, even the curse of troubles in life, sickness and disease, is ultimately redeemed into blessing because even if something bad happens to me, it produces endurance, perseverance, which produces hope and character to where I can know that all things are going to work together and I can walk in blessing even when I'm in a bad situation. That's a different mindset, people. That's a different mindset. So no matter what comes your way, you know that blessing is going to flip on this thing. Amen? I hope you believe it. I hope you believe it. Get classic example, Joseph. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now wait a minute. Let's break this down. Who's, who's Joseph talking to? His brothers. Many, many years later, right? You know the story. I hope you know the story. Read the story. Classic. Right? Good story. Many years later, here he is, second in command of Egypt, right? They, and these guys from, uh, from uh, uh, Jacob's sons, Israel, come to him because they're in desperate need of food and help. And they come to him, and guess who it is? The, their long-lost brother that they meant to harm. And how did they mean to harm him? They were going to kill him. Uh, I think it's Judah that sticks up for him. Uh, and uh, so then uh, they throw him in a well, but then they take him out they sell him. Right? So they sell him to slaves and so forth, and he's gone. Right? Now, he says, you meant that for evil. And God what? Meant it for good. So when did the idea start? Did God fix it later? See, he said, you meant it for evil. What did they mean for evil? Back when they sold him. That's when this thing started. And that's where they meant it for evil, right then and there. But right then and there, God meant it for good. 
you see in the, in the phrasing of this thing? Do you mean to tell me that when something bad happens to me, God lets it because He knows He's got a plan that's running parallel with it? The enemy doesn't know that. The enemy is just all excited about the curse and the things he's brought upon you, and he doesn't realize that God has got a plan. If God is sovereign, that even in the beginning of an evil thing working against you, God means it for good. How many of you know that God uses the devil? He uses the devil. Many times the devil is a treadmill to get you into shape. And so this is an amazing thing, again, of taking that curse and bringing it into blessing. I mean, it was an amazing blessing for Joseph. And that it says this, As for you, you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. If it wasn't for Joseph, hundreds of thousands of people would have been dead. And God had a plan to save Egypt and Israel through the the work of Joseph, and the way he got Joseph there was through the curse of his brothers. Is that crazy? It might take a while. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It might take a while for the blessing to come, but you've got to have faith for it. Joseph could have quit in prison. He was forgotten for two years, but he hung in there. How about Mordecai? And the Jews. The book of Esther. This guy was out to destroy Israel, right? But who is Israel in covenant with? God. You mess with Israel, you mess with God. You mess with you, you mess with God. You are no different than Israel. You need to get this straight because there's a lot of Christians who think, well, Israel is God's chosen people and I'm, I'm just saved. There's no... You are in covenant with God. You're His chosen. You're His elect. All right? There's only one way of salvation. There's not these two different covenants. There's one way through Christ Jesus. You're the elect. All right? So Mordecai wanted to kill the Jews, but they're God's people. God turned that whole curse around, and who ended up on the gallows? His own gallows, Mordecai. Yeah. All right? God can turn this thing around. How about the ultimate story of cursing into blessing. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that we would be what? Blessed. He became the curse and took the curse and reversed the curse so that we would now be blessed. What a plan He had. What a plan He had. And His death that the enemy and that man meant for evil God had planned for good. It's the same story as Joseph, isn't it? And God meant it for good. So now, you have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, and so now you've been redeemed. You are in covenant with Him. You belong to Him so that everything that is His is now yours and everything that was yours, He took on that cross and cleansed it and redeemed it so that now the enemy was rendered Uh, disarmed and useless against you. 
And you need to have a mindset for it. Let me read to you Isaiah 61, verse 3. You know Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right, to preach the kingdom, to, to set at liberty those who are captives, to give sight to the blind. You know all that and what Christ came to do. And then in verse 3, he begins to list the exchanges, the blessing for the cursing, the blessing for the cursing. He says this, to give beauty for ashes. Now, if you read this in the language, the proper language and interpretation, what he's reading is he's reading someone who is being dressed up for a celebration and for a wedding feast. He's saying, you were a bum and you were a slave, but I took the ashes you were in and I'm putting a beautiful headdress upon you, your wedding garments. He said, here's the exchange. I'm giving you beauty for the ashes. I'm going to give you the oil of gladness instead of your mourning and your crying. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. So I don't know what you inherited. I don't know what people told you. I don't know what people put on you. I don't know what anger people have towards you. But whatever they're throwing at you, he says, instead, I'm giving you this. So I've got to ask you, what are you going to take? What they're giving you or what he's giving you? Well, then we need to act like that. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Alright, that's past tense. We're blessed in Christ. That's been established because of the cross and now that thing is set. We are blessed in Christ. With what? We're blessed with our sins forgiven and that's just about it. My sins are forgiven till I sin again, and then I have to ask God for forgiveness and start all over. I remember when I was a kid, I used to, I used to uh, pray that Jesus would save me again because I couldn't make it through the day without doing something wrong. And I had this tender heart for God, and I just, Jesus, please save me, save me. I got saved. I don't know how many times I got saved as a kid, over and over, because I really thought, you know, I lost it. Every time I failed, I lost it. I got to go back to the old, Jesus, please save me. I mean, I had a tender heart, but wrong theology. I didn't understand God. We've been blessed, not just with salvation. So many people think, okay, my sins are forgiven. Now I've got to work hard and struggle through life and all of its trouble till I finally get to Jesus. Oh, I want to go home. That's not your home. Right? No, no. Look at what we're blessed with. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Let's break that down, all right? Can you, can you think of a spiritual blessing? What would be a blessing in the Spirit? Love. We might as well list all nine through the Spirit. Right? Okay, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? Gifts of the Spirit. We're blessed with gifts of the Spirit. Knowledge, uh, uh, revelation, healing, uh, administrations, helps, you just go on to the whole list. What else? What's that? Sonship. Uh, he, he's given us all that pertains to life and godliness. Citizenship. All right, so when, it, when the Bible verse says that we've, been in, we've inherited and He's given us all that pertains to life and godliness, we get the godliness stuff. That's all that spiritual stuff. But He's also giving everything for us for life. That's here on this planet. Life. What you need to eat and drink and sleep and live and, and so forth. He's given us all that. 
Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Do we lack? Why is the church so hung up on on a gospel that wants to get more money? Carnal. Carnal Christianity. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? When we've got a book here that says, I've got an inheritance for you of every spiritual blessing. And we're going, I need a bigger car. I need more money so I can get a bigger house. Really? Something's messed up. Would you agree with me? All right, so we have every spiritual blessing. And where are those spiritual blessings? Why, those spiritual blessings are here in the trees, here in the grass and in the dirt, here in... Where are those spiritual blessings? Heavenly places. So they come from Him. They're Him. It comes all from Him. Now, Jesus mentioned something that can't get at the things that are stored there. Rust, moths, thieves. This stuff is secure. So it's not going to fade away. Anything that is in the eternal realm of heaven is not going to fade away. His gifts are without repentance. In other words, He will not revoke them. He'll not take them back. So all these blessings are secure for you. They're in a safe place. And then He goes on to say later in Ephesians 2.6 that you're seated in heavenly places where these blessings are. In other words, your authority is seated in the place of where those spiritual blessings are. Your head needs to be in that realm. We need to be processing things from that perspective instead of processing things from the curse perspective. We are so death-oriented in our thinking. We are death-oriented in what we're expecting. We've got to be life-oriented, eternally minded and secured in that. Does this make sense to somebody? And this is a change of mind. Philippians 3.20 Our citizenship is in heaven. 1 Peter 1.4 To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So everything we need, we get from God, it is fresh. (laughs) Right? It's not on a shelf somewhere. It's fresh. It's eternal. And so it never lacks power. It never lacks authority. It never lacks anything. Every spiritual blessing. So what you face in life, you've got to face with the perspective from being seated in heavenly places to speak life into that situation. We've got to start turning our situations around that the difficulty you're entering into is an opportunity for promotion. One man put it this way, that if God makes our enemies our footstools. That is a plan for elevation. Because what do you use a footstool for? Well, if enemies are our footstool and you need to go higher, you need an enemy. We all want to avoid enemies. Why? We like the level we're at, the familiar. That's what was spoken to us tonight. Oh, I want it calm. I want it good. What does James say about our trials? Rejoice! Hallelujah! Time for another level. And it's the truth. You never know how to get further along. You didn't know how much faith you had till you got into a good fight. Am I right? All right. So it's a mindset that we have got to begin shifting and saying, you know what? We can handle this. You know what? This stress, this thing. No, i got to turn this into a blessing. Now, I want to play uh, an audio clip for you tonight. 
uh, of Graham Cook. And uh, he's a, a tremendous prophetic brother. I, just so positive. And much of this teaching tonight comes from uh, a lot of his perspective. And there's a real famous story that he tells that's an amazing story of how he's turned uh, a curse into a blessing, literally because he works with occult people. And he had an experience with one that I want to share with you. And so, Ben, if you could play that for me. You just have to click on it for me. Listen to this. You have no ability to learn, have you? Because <laughs> it didn't work the last 50 times, but here you are again. It's like he's in this permanent groundhog day of a lifestyle. <laughs> here we are again, the great movie. I love that movie. smelling cloud comes into my office. So I can see the cloud and it's, it's a horrible smell. Pick up the phone and there's a Satanist on the other end. I'm thinking, flipping cheek. I said, hey man, there's a, there's a cloud in my office, a really evil smelling cloud. I said, is this you? He went, we have an assignment against you. So I said, okay, let's hear it then. So he starts cursing me. So I'm listening. So now I'm going to write this down. So write down. So I really backed him. So this is what you're saying, right? He said, yeah. I said, cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So you need to know that, one, I'm not scared of you. Two, you haven't phoned me because you've got an assignment against me. You've actually called, phoned me because I have an assignment for people in the alcohol. The third thing you need to know is that every curse you put upon my life, God will turn into a blessing. But there's some great curses here, man. I really appreciate that. Because blessing in my life is just like going to go off the chart, eh? But listen, I have a word from the Lord for you. I'm coming to get you. Slams the phone down. So, this cloud disappears. So, I just stand up and start walking around my office and say, Father, I thank you. So, Lord, what are the opposite things here? So I start to write down. It's like I'm writing down a prophetic word. Because God says, okay, everything that's in the opposite spirit is yours in this next season. So I'm, I'm making notes. So I'm making notes. I'm making notes of all of that. And I pick up this piece of paper and I burn it. Yeah? And I bind the curse and everything and I burn it. And now I've got this great prophetic word, courtesy of the Satanist. 
So every day I write a crafted prayer around that, and my my blessing in my life just starts to increase. A few months later, this in the office again, phone rings, pick it up, and it's this guy. And he says to me, uh, you may not remember who I am. He said, uh, I was the Satanist who cursed you, you know, about four or five months ago. I said, yeah, hey, man, I've prayed about you loads of times. I said, you wouldn't believe the blessing of God in my life. I am so grateful to you. That was like one of the turning point phone calls in my life. Brilliant. Just messing with him, you know. And he starts laughing. And, uh, and I said, hang on a minute. You said I was the Satanist. What's that about? He said, well, I hated that phone call. He said, I'm so used to Christians just being afraid and you know, seeing their lives fall apart. He said, but I've, I've never got on the end of the phone with a guy who couldn't care less what I was saying and who had an intention to turn everything around. He said, and I hated the phone call. I hated the last thing you said to me. I'm coming to get you. He said, because you destroyed all my power base. Because I came up against someone who I knew could turn what I said into the opposite. And I knew that nothing had worked. And as I began, I, I began seeing that God was bigger. And I'd always been, I've been saying this for years, I'd always been in that place of, we have the power and everything else, you know? And, uh, and he said, from that point on, he said, I, I couldn't enjoy the rituals that we did, I couldn't enjoy the meetings. Um, it's like, you know, I was starting to freak out and I was starting to look around and I was starting to see how weird these people were. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and saw how weird I was. He said, I, we were in our, our cabin in a meeting out in the country in the woods. We had a bonfire, we just slit the, the neck of a cockerel, we were doing the blood ritual. And Jesus just came and stood in the fire. And none of us could move. So it's like my feet were rooted to the floor, could not move. He said, he just stood and looked at us, each of us, for the longest time. Then he just stepped out of the flame and he came up and he touched every one of us. He said, when he touched me, every demon in me fled. He said, and now and we were all filled with the Spirit. I said, hang on, how many people in your common? He said, 24. I'm thinking, cool. I get the blessed one, I set free 24. That was a good art, eh? Did everybody understand with his accent, or did you have a little trouble? Okay. You got it? Okay. Satanist called him up, began to curse him. He tells it in a couple different ways. Uh... In, in one way, he, he tells the story of how the guy began to curse him. And he said, you know what? You've been a Satanist for how long? He said, you need to do better than that. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. You come back. You work harder at cursing me because <laughs> there's, I, I want a better blessing than what you've just offered. <laughs> but again, what the Satanist said was, I've never run into someone who knew the power they had greater than my cursing. And this is what I'm talking about. When you begin to understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you are in covenant with Christ. Can the devil curse Jesus? Can he come and put a curse on Jesus? Then he can't do that to you. You've got to understand who you are. You're seated in heavenly authority, in heavenly places. All that is Christ is yours, every spiritual blessing. And anything the enemy tries to put against you, God will redeem, flip it, 
and will bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And we've got to live out of that mindset. We've got to begin going into dark places and getting people set free. We've got to know that we're greater than they are. The light we bring in is greater than any darkness. And stop being so squeamish and so afraid. We need to know that we are a people of life and blessing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together tonight.